Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's up, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. <laughs> so I'm just practicing that thing. I'm just... <laughs> I got this cool fancy mic. I just like saying it. But today I have an amazing guest. I have the one and only Mr. J from uh, Wrenchway, which is awesome because we get to talk about like one of my favorite topics, which is the back of the dealership. I know I, I do a lot of content out there about the front of the dealership, but guys, my heart is in the back. All right. For the department that produces over 50% of the net profit yet only gets 5% of the marketing budget. It's a place I love to chat about. So, Jay, thank you for taking the time to jam with me today. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited, Jason. It's uh, good to see you again. Yeah. Uh, for hey, for everyone out there that uh, you know don't know who you are, kind of how you got started with the business, I figured like let's kick this off with a little origin story. So, so sure. what is the origin story that is Jay? <laughs> yeah. So it's it's. Um... It's interesting because I've I've spent my whole life in the service business, right? And when I say my whole life, literally my entire life, I grew up in a small independent repair shop in a small town in Wisconsin. Um, and my dad actually still operates that shop today. And uh, I, as I w kind of progressed and, and grew up in the business, uh, I thought I wanted to be a tech, right? And so I went to school to be a tech, uh, came back, worked for my dad and was terrible at it. I was not a good technician at all. So I, uh, I ended up going and taking some other roles uh, within the service business, but I went outside of automotive. So I actually went to the diesel side uh, for quite a while and I learned a lot. And there's a lot of, a lot of really, really uh, similar things between the two industries. And so I worked from, uh, for a manufacturer. I worked for a dealership. Uh, I ran the parts and service departments of a, uh, a seven location construction and ag equipment dealership. And I kind of during this entire, I guess my entire life, there was always an issue finding techs. And as I started to really understand that piece for myself and how hard it was to find techs, I, uh, I went out and started FinderWrench. So I started FinderWrench uh, about three and a half years ago. We grew really, really quick um, and into a team of about 30 people. And uh, with that, we just uh, uh, just launched a new platform called Wrenchway. So uh, we're we're really excited. We've got a lot of things going on, and uh, and obviously going through a pandemic uh, has its challenges uh, with business. But you know, it it it's been really cool to see something that you know we we started off uh, when I started Finder Wrench. I I had no idea if anybody would actually like buy it for, or like, right. So when you start something and it's, it's really, I didn't have anything to really go off of. I just knew that it was a big problem. And so, uh, I started finder wrench and, and, uh, again, we, we grew really quick and, and it's cool because it ties back to a lot of my relationships throughout the industry. Right. I, I do deal with independence. I deal with a lot of dealership groups, uh, some of the biggest ones out there, uh, and, and both on, the funny part is the dealerships on both the automotive and the uh, and the uh, diesel side. So it's kind of tied everything together. Uh, a search for a technician is pretty similar between uh, the two different markets, but it's been uh, it's been really fun to to take something from really nothing and just really kind of grow it. So um, it's uh, we're still we're still learning and growing every day, but I, I think. Uh, 
we got through a lot of the early road bumps of me starting off in my basement and doing everything to, you know, try to actually having people that, that can do stuff and are, uh, are specialized and do a good job at it. So that's, uh, that's kind of how I got to, uh, to this podcast today, right? That's so cool. You know, I felt, you know, a lot of us are just kind of tumble our fall our way into the business. It's cool to actually hear that you, that you grew up and it's just kind of in your blood. But it is one of those industries that once it kind of gets into your blood, like it is super difficult to get it out. You know, it's you're not just, getting out. Yeah. You're right. You're really not. <laughs> like it just it just is what it is. Right. So, I mean, look, you know, Jay, you've had tons of experience, you know, in, in, in fixed ops and um you're in the U.S., I'm in Canada. There's just so much going on right now, you know, as far as this pandemic. You know, I feel like right now we're still dealing with kind of the social elements of it. And, you know, and I know especially in, you know, the back of the dealership where there's a lot of touch points. You know, the front of the dealership, we may only deal with a few hundred people a month where the back of the dealership could deal with sometimes thousands of of vehicles and those touch points and i know from a process perspective we've had to change so much i mean hell i've even pivoted my business now where i you know i we, we own a chemical company and we we sell sanitization solutions you know to, to service departments because well that's that that's the need right and yes. um actually that's a good that's a good starting point i'd like to get you guys thought your thought on this because i was overly worried about this the second i heard dealerships saying that they were going to start sanitizing cars i mean my, my family comes from the hospitality industry so it's like sanitizing in the hospitality industry is not a good idea and it's a legal requirement <laughs> like right there are serious serious fines and uh and it can just destroy your business and and your reputation if you don't do some of these things you know i'd love to kind of get your thoughts on you know how do you see dealerships handling this sanitizing the vehicle what are you seeing out there right now they definitely took it up a notch right it, it's it's uh it it really i think there's going to be some things that we learn coming out of this uh, pandemic if we ever get out of it. But it, I think there's things that we can apply once we're, once we're out of it. Right. And I think that is a, a really big one is the sanitiza- sanitization, if I can say that, uh, <laughs> sanitization and, and just overall cleanliness. Right. And, and I think there's been a, a big improvement with dealerships over, you know, maybe even the last 10 years, uh, 15 years uh, in, in terms of, how professional they're trying to bring off their service department. And I think this is a really, really uh, another addition to that. So I, I do think there's some benefit. I know it's probably an absolute pain if you own a dealership or you're running a dealership to look at your supplies bill uh, go through the roof. But uh, but it's kind of... Jack up an no environmental fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, talked to, I, I talked to a dealership probably three weeks ago. And I can't remember what he was telling me they were spending per month on, on just that, right. On cleaning, cleaning supplies, but it was insane. It's not only just the cost. It's also just trying to also figure out what the hell it is. Like, I hate to say this when I, early on, you know, I had a lot of dealerships I consult with and I'm doing training with and stuff like that. And they were showing me these POs and what they were buying a first, the type of chemical, because they didn't know is if, if the chemical said, it killed coronavirus, they were buying it, right? <laughs> and and that was it. And it's like, they had no idea what the hell they were getting. I mean, I have a, I have a, a horror story of a Porsche dealership, all right, um, was in the drive-through, um, sanitizing cars, uh, a young lot attendant 
no fault of his own, was told to go grab additional, you know, sanitized chemical, came out, accidentally grabbed the chemical that was used for the bathroom, which has 25% bleach in, in, in it, oh, no. and went to town on this brand new 911 Targa. Oh. All right. <laughs> and, you know, by the time they had noticed, and after the service, there were these little pink, whitish dots pretty much all over the Alcatara leather, uh, destroyed the dash, and $30,000 later, boy, this dealership learned something about having to have a proper you know, process in place. But it, it's like, I, I'm, but that's not the first example. I'm hearing dealerships out there buying stuff. A, they're spending ridiculous amounts of money. There were a lot of companies out there that took advantage of the, I think the lack of dealership knowledge and education as far as what chemicals actually are. And, you know, I mean, I saw some dealerships that were paying 12, 13, 14, 15, up to 20 some odd dollars a liter for this stuff. I mean, it's, that's that's cutting into your series, and that's going to cut into your margins, you know, super yes. fast. So it, I, I I I feel like it's a whole new realm that dealerships have to get educated on. You know, there's 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 products out there that have bleach in it. There's products out there that have corrosive material, so they have a type of acetone to it, you know, which will kill it. But guess what else it'll do? <laughs> you know, like you know, and then there's products that kind of fall in that chlorine you know, line, which actually does make sense because it's not corrosive. It's not acidic, but anyways, I can go on this forever, but I'll stop. Um, well, that, that nine 11 story makes me want to cry. Like right? that's a, uh, yeah, that's a nice car. That's a really, really nice car. But, <laughs> but it's, it's, how do we figure out, how do we get the cost involved? How do we actually train on it? This whole new process. It's important to not just the customers, also important to the tax. Yes. Like, I mean, they, you know, I mean, similar to kind of frontline, I hate to, you know, I don't want to like, but it is. I mean, they're dealing with so many people's cars on such a regular basis. I mean, it is super important as a dealership that we know that we're protecting them and we have a process in place. It's not like the restaurant industry where there are laws and legislation of how we do it. You know, like dealerships right. are having to figure out this crap on their own. And it just worries me a lot. And it goes down to even like, you know, dealerships right now are looking to bring in new technicians, new staff. And guess what a lot of these new techs and new staff are asking about? What's your process? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, have you have you had talked to any dealerships recently about identifying and developing out their sanitized process? Just out of curiosity. I have not heard one dealership say that. I, I, um, that scares me. I agree. I I. I don't know how, you know, and I think it maybe goes back to uh, a technician in general, right? And and maybe the perception that, hey, they're, they're not going to care about this. They get oil on their hands every day. You know, that like it. And, you know, there is still some of that old school mentality in, in the back end of a shop. But there's also starting to become a new mentality coming in, too, as you get this this younger workforce in that that does care about that more. And and, and I think not. So this is this is kind of an interesting thing because I think it brings up a broader topic in that we're and I'm guilty of this right is putting all technicians in the same bucket like exactly, we, we right? like we we are the worst as far as an industry at saying oh a technician thinks this I'm like have you ever talked to it like multiple technicians they're not all like robots they're not all exactly the same like they have different personalities and they <laughs> they have different strengths and. And, well, um, and there's three different generations right now working yes. in the back. And Boomers, I don't think yeah. we, we're not having those conversations either, right? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but go ahead. No, no, you're, <laughs> but you're spot on, Jason. And that's that's where 
if you think about how if you think about how different those generations are and i was actually at a conference last year where they talked about that and they said this isn't a new thing right they they actually had a um a cover of like time magazine from like the 60s but they they kept a they kept the headline but they didn't actually show the rest of the cover and it explained it talked about how uh, they thought that this next generation was lazy and and was you know like didn't listen and all this stuff, and everybody's thinking they're talking like baby boomers talking about millennials, but it was actually uh, whatever generation that was back in the day talking about baby boomers. So it just it literally just translates every generation, and, and there's just generational gaps, and they're they're a real thing, you know. They are, they, they are a real thing. And it's like, it's, so it's not only, you know, dealing with the different generations in the background, but it's also how you're attracting those different generations. Like, I mean, I know dealerships right now that, 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 that look, they still want those older guys, yeah. you know, the, the, the kind of roughneck foreman, you know, that's back there that, you know, can literally put a hand on a car and go, yeah, it's a head gasket, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. It's a and then you got the younger guy that wants to bring out his tool and plug it in. He goes, no, son, put that away. It's the head gasket. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But there is, there's, such, there's such a broad range out there. So it's like, how do we attract? How do we yeah. bring in that new talent? I mean, look, not, not only do we have the complexity of multiple generations, but now we also have the complexity of this being a pandemic. And, you know, to your point, we were mentioning this off camera. You know, you had some dealerships that were bringing on trying to bring on as many to new techs as they can in the month of July. So, yeah. I mean, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts, like, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, how do we bring in this new blood? So I, I was a little different than a lot of people as we went into the pandemic. And, and one of the things that I advised a lot of our clients on was I, I said to be aggressive. And, and while that sounds really, really scary down here in the U S most dealerships, as long as they weren't huge public uh, companies that, well, they, even they tried to take the money, but they took the PPP money and that paid for wages. So, uh, you know, while it was all doom and gloom through that process, the, the folks that got the, the PPP money ended up really, really far ahead. They did really well. And there were some big companies that were letting go of lots of technicians. And, and granted, I don't know if they were cherry picking the technicians on who they wanted to keep and who they didn't want to. But the fact was that there was a probably a month time period where we like we at Find Rent were just getting flooded with resumes, like just people applying like crazy. Uh, and maybe if they saw some uncertainty uh, in in their, you know, if you work for a public company and you can see everything, there's probably some worry based on what they're saying, right? And and as I listen to some of these, I, I like to listen to. Uh, to the earnings calls, right? And one of the things that they talk about was how technicians are so valuable and they, they weren't cutting technicians for the most part, but the technicians didn't hear that the same way. So they were they were afraid hearing of all of these cuts and everything like that, that, hey, maybe I'm next and not knowing like, hey, you're you're really valuable. Like that you're, you're one of the last people they're gonna think about letting go uh, of. So I, you know, I, I was, I was advising clients to be aggressive through that. Uh, we did have a, a, a couple of dealerships specifically that were aggressive and they, they landed some great talent in that time period. Now it's kind of like the wild west again now, right? So like trying, trying to find a tech, we've been absolutely buried. And 
I think my my whole kind of spiel here is that we've got to make you're selling to these technicians, right? It's not it's not the other way around anymore. And even in an interview, it's a lot of times they're interviewing you more than you're interviewing them, right? And so really kind of buying into that 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 mentality and having a paradigm shift on uh, how you approach a tech is so huge, so huge. And so I think, um, you know, it's I know that's a loaded answer to the pandemic question. But no, but, but no you're right, though. I mean, because it, it's it's even during the pandemic. All right. We have different techs coming in, different generations. All right. You, you can't treat them all the same. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Right. I mean, you, you can't. Someone who's green, who's coming into the in, into the space, they want to know that there's a path for them. All right, yes. like they, they, they legitly decided they want to make this a career. They want to know how they can get to that foreman level, or maybe even how they become that service manager level, or even some of them how they even become the dealer principal. <laughs> but you know, and I like, think you're going to get more of that, though, right? You because are. It, you it, are. That's, it, that's in the past. It was traditionally sales, right? And so as as that service part of the business becomes so much more important and absorption becomes so important that like that, that when you have somebody that knows fixed ops, does sales become more commoditized and that, that fixed op side become really, really, really important. And you led the show off by talking about that, right. And bringing 50% of the profit in, like it, it's such a big deal. And it's something we undersell, uh, you know, as an industry and it's, Probably just because it's not as sexy as sales, right? No, for sure. Hey, look, I'll tell you right now, some of the best salespeople I ever had started as techs. Yes. You know, they just, it just, it just wasn't necessarily their grind or, you know, or even some of the older guys I had who I actually migrated them out of being, you know, the foreman and into a sales role. They shined, you know, they yes. just didn't, they didn't feel like they wanted to you know, turn wrenches anymore. It was just getting a little too hard for them and on their bodies and stuff. So it's just like, I think that's what it is. I think, I, I think any new person coming into it, regardless of the generation that they're yeah. in, right? They want to know that if I'm going to be coming to work for your dealership, like, is there paths? Is there opportunities? If I come in and I decide that maybe this isn't what I want to do and I want to work the counter, can I work the counter? You know, yes. if, if is there an opportunity that I get into this and it's like I, you know, only spend so many years doing this and because of physical reasons or whatever other reasons that I said I don't want this, can I, can I go try sales? You know, it's like, it, I think what it is, is just, it's no different than what the customer wants to know from a dealership is how flexible you are. Yeah. All right. I think any person that any new technician that's coming in wants to know how flexible the dealership is. You know, and, and to your point, you mentioned a little bit earlier, Jane, I kind of want to talk a little bit because I want to go back to that point is you talked a little bit about like during the pandemic, there were some people that really continued to engage in the ones that didn't. All right. right. And I'm, you know what we're seeing right now, Jay, is we're we're seeing we're seeing the, the cream rise to the top. We're seeing who the real leaders are. All right. And, you know, the, I'm telling you right now, I mean, I don't know about you. I'm curious if you saw the same thing. Like I had some dealerships that we work with that were amazing and their communication. I see the key was communication during this whole thing. They maintained their communication with their staff, their customers. It was amazing. And then I saw some dealerships, man, that stuck their heads in the fucking sand, stuck their yeah. fingers in their ears and was like, la, 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 <laughs> until this whole thing blows over. And, you know, I, they're the ones I think are suffering right now. Did you see that same thing? Absolutely. Like 100%. I, I think it, it, and I don't know if it was so much that they were it, it's similar to 2008, right? Like where, when, when shit started to hit the fan, it was like, oh no, like what, what do we do? And it, you know, I, I think 
people get paralyzed by fear and fear of not knowing when this thing is going to end was a huge deal. And it still is, right? I, I think there's still a lot of worry of, you know, when does this end? When, when, when does, when, when does life ever, if it ever does get back to normal? Um, but that was such a key part was the communication from, from the true leaders and not only communication, but transparency too, right. To, to really talk about, you know, I, I saw some strong leaders that would share financials, right. And share, I, I think that's such a powerful thing to do because a, from a text point of view, they probably don't get that all the time, or even like, even down to like a BDC manager or something like it. There's there are times where people just have no idea what the health of the dealership is. So th those that were commu like communicative and transparent through the entire thing, I think they kept their people comfortable, even if they had to do a salary cut or if they had to do uh, any form of layoffs. It, the ones that were really really strong with communication, I think they're going to build loyalty coming out of this. I'm I'm so I'm so with you on that. Like I mean, really, it is. It, it does. It drives loyalty. It creates that 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 better customer experience. Look, at the end of the day, happier employees make for happier customers. All right. So it's like I I, I think as an industry, we spend so much time on trying to figure out how the hell we're gonna make our our, our customers happy, and it's like, well, dude, just back the fuck up. Yeah. All right. Make your employees happy, and guess what they will do for you. All right, that 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 energy, that that excitement, that they're there and they're they're at a place that they're happy and they're looking forward to come into. That it just it, it just oozes out of them and all over their customers. That was a weird analogy, but um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, <laughs> but it's true, I, right? I, yeah, and I, I forgot what book it is, but it talks about how customer satisfaction is never greater than employee satisfaction. And so, if you think about it in those terms, if you're treating your people right, and it, you know, if it's easy. I talk about it all the time on a lot of the stuff that we do, but it's easy to shove a tech in the back and not talk to them and, and treat them like a second class citizen. <laughs> it, but it it's those that are engaged. And I was on a I was on a a fixed stops call last night where uh, they they had a former dealer principal talk, and he talked about how he would check in uh, not only daily but like quarter, like every quarter of a day with everybody on his team, he was walking around the dealership all the time. And, and just to even see him out there is a huge deal. And, and you know, you talk about the path uh, to growth. I, one thing I want to touch on that you, that you mentioned or that you talked about was when you promoted that foreman to a, a sales role or, you know, you, you, you transition them over that not only helps that person out, it helps everybody else out in the shop to say, okay, there are ways to uh, to advance, right? And, and even if it's staying in the shop and there's ways to become a master level, you know, God of everything as compared to a, um, you know, a salesperson or, you know, if, if you want to go somewhere else in the business, we're not going to hold you back, right? Like we're going to help you get there. And that's such an important message. You know, service of a dealership really starts at the service of the dealership, right? I mean, if I could, I would make all my sales team actually spend time back there before they came up front. Smart. You know, because they do. They, they need to have, they need to have, they need to know what is required, what goes on behind the scenes for that to happen. You know, yeah. they need to have that appreciation. I mean, I'll tell you that foreman that we turned into a sales manager. I mean, when he sold cars, he sold conviction. Because he knew it. it. Well, yeah. And it was like, I would buy a car off of him any day of the week. Because it's like, I just, he just, he, he sold it from this place where I'm like, look, this car, this, that car right there, that car is going to last you for a long time. 
That car is going to get you what you need to do. It's going to be safe for your family. It's going to get you to work. It's going it, to, I'm going to put myself behind it. All right. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, sure enough, every once in a while, I could see him in the back where I'm like, no, 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 no. Get in front. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, but this My customer's name. having this problem. I can fix it like in two seconds. I'm like, no, no, no. Stick it through the shop. <laughs> <laughs> but from a customer experience standpoint, if you know that person that worked on your car for years is now the one selling it to you uh, and you, you feel comfortable with them and trust them that, you know, you know what you're talking about. And it's not just trying to, to sell me on something I don't want. There's, there's true value in, in what your knowledge is and, and what, what you think about this car. Oh, it was, it was a great person to have. And I'll tell you right now, he bought every used car right too. Um, he just had so much bloody experience. Yes. He knew how much yeah. it was going to cost to get this thing back on the road. Um, hey, I got, I got an idea. I want to pass an idea. Uh, by yeah. you because I'm working on this right now with a handful of dealerships and you know during this pandemic um, everyone's had to figure out how to do a lot with a little right yeah. like I think a lot of people at the dealership were wearing multiple hats and now we're coming to get back to you know this place of normalcy and um, I'm still a little concerned because we're only dealing with the social impacts we haven't dealt with the economic impacts and I remember the economic impacts of the recession and how the front of the dealership really lost and was the back of the dealership that really kind of held or pretty much maintained <laughs> the profitability of the dealership moving forward. And right now I'm working with a dealership that, that, that really had that feeling of doing a lot with a little, and they want to continue that from an operations perspective. So right now we're working on training and coaching the technicians to be the advisor. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this. Look, we're playing with it. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying we're hundred percent right on this one. But, you know, so far what we've seen, we've actually seen higher hours per RO, all right? We're seeing a higher CSI um, than we have in the past. Uh, maybe it's st still a little early, so I'm, I'm, it could be there. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, of this hybrid approach between service, advi uh, service advisor and technician, actually bringing them into one. I love it. I, I think that's a really, really smart idea. And it rather than reading off a piece of paper or off a computer saying, hey, this is what the tech said is wrong with it, that they can say, hey, you know what? Your your brakes are shot. Like this is like this is <laughs> this there's no doubt about it. Like with I conviction. As, I'm, yeah. I, I was literally just out there. All right. I'm telling <laughs> my, you right now my the hands bloody are thing dirty. is shot. Yeah. yeah. But as as you start to get more involved with digital inspections and that kind of thing where you have visuals to be able to show a customer and then have the technical knowledge to be able to explain it even in a bit more detail. I think well, it's- See, it, I love the fact, yeah. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I love the fact that you brought that up because that's actually why the dealership headed this direction. So they were doing that video presentation. So yep. it took, I mean, this this wasn't a new thing. This didn't happen overnight. Like they had been doing, like working on their video presentations with their tax for like the last year. So prior before all this happened, but Smart. then, you know, we have found that the techs were getting so used to and so comfortable doing this. It's like, can we just remove that phone and just put them in front of the customer and do the exact same thing? So, sorry, continue, I, continue with yours, no, but that's I, actually how it started. So I just wanted to- I love, I, I love the approach and I love the thinking behind it because I think there's a lot of value there. My one worry with it would be uh, if you get a tech that doesn't necessarily like to deal with customers, right? And I'm sure you can you can work around that, or you know, if that person's not necessarily comfortable, maybe you have some different setup. But I, um, you know, I think from a technician's perspective, 
it might give them an opportunity to make some more money too, right? And so as you're trying to and take that's care what, of that's your what techs, we were looking at, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you're trying to take care of your techs and you're trying to get them more money, that's I, I absolutely love that idea. I think it's really, really smart. I'm I'm, I'm fascinated to hear where you go with it because I, I well, think you know, I mean, cool. you know, look, the technology and cars have changed a lot, right? Yeah. You know, um, you're seeing techs don't have nearly as much grease under their fingernails and all over their, you know, every, their clothes. It's because the tech of everything is just so much, it's just changed, Absolutely. you know, um, so much. And, you know, to your point, it's funny because at this one dealership and you brought that up, so it made me remember this story. There's just, we had this one guy that's exactly that. Just, yeah, I mean, you ask him a question, he's got like two <laughs> words to answer it and that's it, you know? And it was like, we were a little nervous about putting him in front of customers. <laughs> Ironically, he's actually the one that's doing the best. Really? You know what it is? Is because he's just he's a little rough around the edges, yeah. but it's also there's just there's no, there's like he's the worst no salesperson in the entire world. It's no fluff. There's just no. There, it's just there's <laughs> like he's not going to sell you anything, right? No. Ever. Like just you just know it going into it, right? So he just kind of comes out, and it's just I think what it is is just the few words that come out of his mouth that just come out with so much conviction. He's just like. All right, I'll do it. I remember he actually got into a like this 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 customer said he wasn't going to do his his breaks, and I'm like, oh man, here it comes. And he's like, all right, I'm going to ride on your work order. The car's not safe. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? I said the car's not safe. You can drive it out of here, but it's not safe. But so you're signing I'm, off on this. So yes. I'm just going to just just I need you to initial that right there. <laughs> the guy goes, well, I mean, is it? Okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, <laughs> and I don't think you know, he said more than six words to the guy. He's just said he just wrote "not safe" and he goes, "I need you to sign there." <laughs> I I think it's a, I think it's great, and I, I you know as as you look at how these these tools that we give service departments evolve too, you know it's the more yeah the more it's the driven. tablets now and all yeah. the information's there. Yeah, you don't need. A ton of that. And I don't know that customers really want that anyways. And I think, you know, as I've been in a lot of meetings and learning a lot about kind of how we're changing, I think it's going to change how much customers actually want to come into the dealership anyways, right? So if if this allows you to take a piece out or maybe a barrier out where they can communicate directly via text or through uh, through their platform of, uh, you know, whatever it is, CDK or whatever it is that they're able to go through and, and, um, and talk directly to uh, a customer. And not only that, you stop the steps back and forth from the service department to the service desk. I mean, Oh like, yeah. Think about somebody, how much time you save. Like just, oh just goodness. like, I mean, cause, like, I mean, think about this. I mean, look, I was an advisor, you know, I mean, I would have to go in the back, I'd get five, seven minutes from the tech and then I had to take all those four little words that he was using to describe the problem with the car. And I have to translate that out to something that I could present. Yes. I mean, like it would take me, it'd take me easily 10 minutes, easy 10 minutes for me to go talk and then come back. And then if there was some type, then I was going back and forth back. I'm like, this seems stupid. Yeah. It just seems like a bad idea. I mean, look, we're, we're giving all these techs great uniforms. Let's get them out there and show off right. how awesome these uniforms are. You know, get them talking in front of people. I don't know. I think a lot of people got, might be listening to this and go, you're freaking crazy, Jay. <laughs> no, I, I, you know what, though? I think that's what it's going to take as we kind of try to evolve from this, right? And and business is changing. It's not going to stay the same as what it always was. And 
And that's where I, I think there's some cool opportunity. The one question, so I've got another question for you on that regard. Like in the uh, in uh, uh, tech acting is kind of that service advisor, their own service advisor. How did how do you get around write ups, right? And and having clean work orders and clean spelling. Is it more menu selling type stuff where you're hundred percent it's menu selling. Yeah. So the dealership that we're working with their OEM already mandated this tablet style format. Okay. So it was, you know, the service advisors were already going to have to use kind of a tap, 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 kind of a, a process. So it wasn't a whole hell of a lot right. to just kind of take it to that next step. Um, you know, because that also that tablet port also does kind of remove notes a little bit. I'll tell you this though. Here's one thing we thought was actually we actually noticed this just recently this last week when we were sent down going to a consultation is the tech notes have gotten a lot better. Oh, for sure. Because you know what it is is they want to they because when that customer comes back, they want those notes now. So they're not you're not getting these half-ass tech notes where it's like yeah. just like just bullshit notes like yeah. they're actually taking time to put the notes in because their pay structure is based on the work that the customer does now all right so now when the customer comes back they're like they want those notes so that's good it was an interesting that's byproduct good. it was interesting who, who who takes the first call from the customer so it's bdc it is so the bdc oh. so the bdc is taking the first call all right and the bdc there's a representative down uh, downstairs now that's also checking them in and then the tech comes out, introduces him or herself, uh, takes the keys and says, I'm going to go work on your car right now. I'll be back in a little bit to tell you what's up. Interesting. Yeah. I, that, that's right? a cool approach. That's a really cool approach. I, I commend you guys for uh, just kind of, <laughs> it's so cliche to say thinking outside the box, but that's truly like, that's different. Well, I think that's what we're going to have to do, right? Moving yeah. forward. I just, I know during the recession, and I'm curious if you had the same Sales lost a lot, man. Yeah. I had to rely yeah. so much on the back of my dealership to bring in the profitability that just kept everyone employed. Like, yeah. I feel like right now, and I'm not trying to be a doomsday person or any of that crap out there, but if you're out there watching, listening to this right now, you just come off yourself an amazing June and July, you know, understand that that is pent up demand that you're dealing with right now. It is, we, we were only dealing with the social elements of this pandemic. We have yet to deal with the economics of it. You know, yeah. when all these government credits end, was it here December or something? I don't know, well, they may renew it again, but who knows, right? You sure. know, like that's when we're really gonna start feeling the pressure. People are going to start losing their jobs quickly, you know, and you know, that service department, I know during the recession kept us in the black in most cases, like get prepared. You know, don't get reactive, be prepared, you know, bring on those people, but have a plan. Um, you know, th that's the other thing I've also kind of find I thought from, and I want to ask you because you're the hiring expert on this is yeah. that I always feel like from a technician perspective, we're always looking to hire like the superstar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just like, well, how many, Tomorrow. What, yeah. What, what was your hours per RO and what was your uh, labor effectiveness? And what was, you know what I mean? It's like, like, we're just like, we're always like, oh yeah. I, I feel like right now though, like we got to start hiring for the team. Yes. And so, so, and I think you're, you're probably in line with this as well. So how do we do that? How do we hire for the team versus hiring for that superstar type mentality? So you've got to do it proactively, right? That's, that's the, the biggest mistake I see dealerships make is that they only hire when they absolutely need somebody. And it's such a mistake because what happens is then they take that, you know, that 
anybody that can breathe, right? So they, like they're, they get to the, and it's not a fit from a skill level. It's not a, a fit from an attitude level, but it helps them get, you know, some, some, some inspections out there, you know, it, like it, it helps them do something, right? And it helps them get a customer off their back. So they hire somebody. And rather than actually having a plan, and and I, I preach this all the time, like just have a plan of some type. How are you always going to be recruiting? And I think we've, you know, even from the manufacturer's level, it's gotten kind of worn out a little bit of the always be recruiting. Um, you know, you hear it over and over and over again, but it's really, really important. And I, from my experience, it's very rare that a, a dealership doesn't need a tech, right? Like, it seems like they always need techs, yet they'll get complacent and and get, you know, if it, if customer work slows up a little bit, then they're like, okay, we're kind of comfortable right now. We don't, and then boom, something happens. And, and, and a lot of times it's cyclical stuff that like, it happens every year, you get busy at this month every year and it doesn't stop. So rather than, you know, they'll, they'll get slow and just kind of sit on their heels Whereas if, if you can use that time to get really aggressive, going out and trying to find somebody, uh, the pandemic was kind of an extreme example of that, but there's always a lull in somebody's business over the course of a year. And that's when you get comfortable and, and a little bit fat and happy of like, hey, we're taking care of customers. And then when that next boom happens, you're not ready for it and customers are screaming and it just, or they're going somewhere else and they're not even talking to you. Uh, it, it, it's such a, it's such a, a big deal that and, and I notice this with companies that have full out HR departments, right? Like that that have full full blown recruiters. Like they they get happy because the service manager is not yelling at them anymore, <laughs> so they 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 take their foot off the gas a little bit. Whereas if if they took a different approach and were really looking all the time and keeping postings out there and keeping you know just really engaged and and I always use kind of an old term, but to, to build your Rolodex of people and, and really court them, right? Because if they're a good tech, they've got a plethora of options. Like if, if they, if they need a job, they can go about anywhere and get a job. Right. So it's really that paradigm shift of, of, of changing the mentality of dealerships to think, you know what, it's not as easy to hire these guys as it always was. We need to do something a little bit differently here. And, and we train our clients with that constantly and it's still a, a battle, right? We're still struggling with that. And, and them understanding that, you know, putting an ad in the paper and getting, uh, you know, five texts to apply to it this week isn't going to happen anymore. It's just, it's, there's just not enough, there's not enough supply to fill the demand. And when we start to really, really understand that, I think we change a little bit. Well, I think the other thing we got to also understand is that we have to develop these texts. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, um, my door rate was abnormally high from my area, okay? But over half of my technicians were masters. That's weird. You know, most yeah. dealerships my size probably had one, maybe yeah. two. I had half, over half of my team, all right, were, mas were master techs. And, you know, I, I did that completely on purpose. You know, yeah. I didn't want, you know, to have this kind of middle or this high middle and low level kind of text. Like I want a text that came in when during the interview, they said they want to be a master tech. Like, yes, good. I got six yes. of them back there that want to teach you to be one. 
you know, and and, and I find and I find like that there's a disconnect there. It's like I feel dealerships. I'm always kind of bitching and moaning and complaining. Oh, there's no tax. There's no tax. What the hell are you doing <laughs> to develop out that next tech? You know, it's yeah. like you know, like I mean, I knew that you know, my group, they they were going to buy another dealership. This is just going to happen, right? Right. So like I'm like cool. I will constantly be developing techs. So when we go buy that next dealership, boom, sticking them another one over there. All right. Oh, you just oh you're looking at buying another one. Cool. I got three guys ready to go. Insert. You know. And it's just like that's it was that mentality. I mean, I, even when I had my own dealership, it was like, man, I got a lot of master techs. Maybe I should go buy another dealership. You know. And sure enough, that's we did. Smart. <laughs> we went by a second location, you know, and it was, it look, it was because it was a plug and play. Literally one week I had the whole, I had everything up there running, that you know, awesome. and it was like, it boom, just kind of repeat, re rinse and repeat. But I, I want to get your thoughts on developing because I get, this is, you can hear my tone. I get yeah. super frustrated <laughs> four letter words start coming out and stuff like that because I'm just like, stop itching and moaning, do something about do it. Do something but, about it. You know, what, are your and, what are your thoughts on developing out technicians? So the, I, I don't know, and I'll mention him by name just because I know he won't care. Uh, but uh, do you know Ed Roberts down at Bozard Ford in St. Augustine, Florida? Yeah, I yeah. I, fo I follow some of his stuff, yeah. So Ed is probably the master at this. He is he is unbelievably good. And granted, they're, they're a big Ford dealership, so they've got a, you know, they've got a lot of capacity to be able to do this. But they really kind of came up with an, a really true... Uh, training program where you bring somebody that's more of that C-level lube tech uh, type technician and really try to grow them up through the ranks. And they do it by uh, basically they've got a six bay uh, uh, part of their shop, right? So it's a, it's actually, I, I believe it's, it's not even connected to the shop. It's, it's a, it's kind of a separate piece um, or a second, a second, uh, second set of bays. And what he does is he puts every single new tech in there. Uh, and what they do is they have a, a, a former tech of theirs that was a, ma a master level tech who sits in there with a group of like six of them, six techs. And his job is literally to teach them. So even after they get out of tech school or whatever it is, his that job. Is so, that is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're, you know, they're learning how to diagnose. They're learning how to do everything. And while they're doing that, they've got, a mentor that's like literally right there. And it's not just some made up mentor program. Like it's, it's truly, they've got somebody there. And then when they're ready, you know, it takes them, I think about nine months, they're, they're able to turn them into the normal shop, but it, it solves quality control. It solves, you know, it solves some of the initial uh, issues that you have with a new tech. It, and I've been in those shoes of a new tech. It's not a an overly welcoming place to come a lot of times. And so like when, when you get in there and you've got somebody that truly cares about raising them up through the ranks, that's such a big deal. And Ed does it better than anybody else that I've ever seen. I mean, he just, he knocks it out of the park. They, they're very intentional about it and they're still able to turn time with them, right? Like they're still able to, to sell hours because they're confident they've got somebody to look over it. And so that's a really good thing. The other piece that I always look at is, the relationship with the local schools, and I know this is kind of cliche to say as well, but but it you just go talk to the tech school in your area, go talk to the high school in your area, and and just see what they need, see what you know, kind of show them how cool some of this technology is. It's not the same business that we were in 20 years ago. This is a really really different and evolving business. So uh, to get in there and 
The one thing I say in a lot of our stuff, we're, we're going to do a, a, a virtual conference uh, for Wrenchway in the fall, and we're going to have a, a, a tech school panel on there where they're going to talk about what industry can do to better support the schools. I often equate it to the salesman service manager relationship in a dealership where a, you know, a service manager sitting back in his office and here comes old Tom, this, the sales, the, you know, the salesman. And the first thing that goes into a service manager's head is like, Oh, what's he want now? Like, it's not, it's not ever like he's coming back to wish me that, that I'm a good day and, and just check on me. They're, like he's asking for something. And it's the same thing with tech schools. When a, when a dealership approaches like, Oh, great. What, what do you need now? You know, I, I see, I see they're calling me and like, where have you been at when we were trying to get students in the seats, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, to take a more proactive role with schools, I think is, is a, another really, really important piece. I agree with you. I think a good solid partnership um, truly does help. You know, I've, um, I, I've, I've uh, consulted, I've spoken to a lot of the tech schools before. Um, you know, I've, I've, especially ones that are just going through it. I'm like, look, you know, this is what you should do during the interview process. You know, I mean, I've, I've helped, you know, and it's the fun thing is, is it's helped me, you know, because, but I feel, I feel like though, when you think of creating a partnership, it is a partnership, which yeah. means you need to give as much as you get. So don't go into it just expecting you're going to get something out of them without giving something. You got to go yes. in right out of the gate, prepare to give without expectations. All right. Develop out that relationship and then it will pay for itself uh, full on. But I think that's kind of like, I mean, I know we're getting kind of towards telling of our podcast today, but I mean, that's kind of the, the gist of the conversation we're talking about. Like, we got to start thinking outside the box. Yeah. We need to get ourselves prepared. I mean, I remember when I launched my, for my text, my four days on, three days off uh, schedule, boy, I got I, I was like, I mean, I had other dealerships call me. They were pissed. Yeah. They're like, do you know what my techs right now are talking about? <laughs> like, how how dare you? How dare you give other- your, your techs three days off every single week? What the hell are you doing over there? Like, <laughs> You're on the other side smiling. Oh, I was laughing my ass off. I'm, I'm like, I got them on speaker. I'm like, guys, come listen. This is funny. Come listen. Come listen. Um, you know, and it's just, but like, but no, it is like, we, we, we have to start thinking outside the box. We want to drive new talent. We got to start thinking about that. I mean, if it's, if it's making that partnership, creating that partnership, it's creating that development, that development program. I love what Ed does. We got to get Ed on a podcast. Yes, I, you I, do. I, I, He's great. He's great. You know, um, if, if it's if it's going you know really outside of the box and going to an advisor tech type role or you know even if it is just something as simple as just creating a schedule that is more family friendly, yes. all right, and giving them a four day on three day off approach, especially right now, it's these little things that I think will make big big difference. Huge. You know, but it, at the end of the day, it's it's all about you know thinking outside the box and creating customer ha- or sorry employee happiness because that generates that customer happiness is what we're looking for. Um, Hey, Jay, thanks so much for taking the time to jam today. This has been a lot of fun. But before I let you go, though, I get to ask one last question of you, which is my favorite question of the day. All right. I want to know, Jay, what is pissing you off? (laughs) (laughs) This is a extremely loaded question. Um, Coronavirus mostly. But uh, I I think in general, uh, the in some forms, the lack of progress that we're seeing in the industry, right? And and from the standpoint of some of the stuff that you just talked about, um, where we need to think of ways to make a technician's day-to-day life better, 
right? Because we we don't only have a problem with the pipeline of techs coming in. We've got a huge problem with techs leaving the industry altogether. And so, so that doesn't help anybody, right? That doesn't help. That's going to cause more of of you stealing from a, a neighboring uh, dealership to to fulfill your obligations at your own shop, and you're already seeing that a lot more. So, figuring out ways to make life easier on techs in, in general, their day to day life, uh, really that respect level. Um, you know, these are some pretty talented people. So, trying to uh, trying to make sure that we're taking care of our own, uh, I think, is my my big one. I'm with you on that. I find. Um... I hate to say it, but there's some dealerships out there that don't treat techs like they're actual people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know that sounds bad, but it's kind of true. It's just kind of like, well, they're just in the back, but we'll get get another one. We'll get another one. There'll be another one out there, but it's just really not the case. I think what it is, is just, it's developing people, making connections, being a human. Right. And, um, I, I think for dealerships out there right now, uh, if, if you're looking for a new, fresh strategy, you know, find unique ways to kind of pull back that veil you know, that exists between, you know, the front and the back of the dealership, you know, and, and, and big things will change. Hey, Jay, for um, everyone out there listening, watching right now, would love to connect with you and kind of follow along with uh, what your what your company does and your journey. What is the best way to do so? Yeah, you can uh, you can look me up on LinkedIn uh, and find me at uh, my Jay Gennan. Uh My last name's really hard to say, so I don't. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sure they'll That's be able to see it on the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't worry, don't worry. Trying to order pizza is a, a problem uh, with uh, with my last name, but uh, you can go there. Uh, obviously, with with Wrenchway and Find a Wrench, they're kind of uh, two separate entities that we're we're running as as one company. Um, but there's a uh, um, you, you can find us there. You can email me at j at finderwrench.com, jay at finderwrench.com. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk. I'm a pretty open book. So uh, I just love talking shop whenever I can. So whenever anybody wants to reach out, I'm, I'm all ears. That's awesome. Hey, Jay, thanks for taking the time to jam with me, Jay. This has been a blast. You have yourself an amazing day. You too. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.